So is there alcohol involved this time around? Now that uh, Ms. there is. Not here, there I don't is. Know if she, is she the crucial component? Well, <laughs> she does make the strongest cocktails of the lot. But I made yes. myself a, a unique drink that's slightly tiki inspired. I don't know what Scott's got going tonight. Today, uh, I I was just so busy with other projects. I'm afraid I just have a soft drink. That's okay. It's all right. <laughs> no, How about I, you, David? I poured myself in my Trader Vic's glass. I'm just drinking Sailor Jerry neat. So cheers. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Here we go. Enough, enough rambling on my part, at least. <clears throat> Shake my hand. <laughs> As though I actually need to do this to get ready for it. Hey, this is Dave Geister, the Monster Movie Happy Hour, and uh, we're about to record one of our Monstrous Musings episodes. Uh, Mary, unfortunately, could not join us tonight, but our dear Scott Cheeseboro is here. And, you know, typically we uh, do one of these episodes to, uh, I don't know, give Mary useless life advice, and um, although we've never actually successfully once done that, if I'm if I'm, She's if I'm wise honest. enough that she doesn't take it. She's definitely wise enough. But we typically get a chance to talk to somebody who's in some way connected to, I don't know, Monster Kids or the horror film world. And um, we were very fortunate enough tonight to have David Weiner with us. And uh, if you don't know who he is, you really should, because even if you don't know his name, you know his work. Uh, and David, welcome. Thank you. Happy to be with you guys. Well, it, it's it's and, really... and hello to Mary in absentia. <laughs> oh yes, I'm sure yes. she'll appreciate that. Yes. And if you don't mind, David, I'm just actually going to read uh, what we found uh, via our Lord and Savior Wikipedia's. Oh, okay, all, it should probably hail. be less than 100 percent correct, but probably more than 75. <laughs> okay, well, it's good that you're here in person to correct any. <laughs> exactly. If I get something wrong, please, please. Let us know. But um, this is what uh, this is what uh, the great God Wikipedia has to say. David A. Weiner, produced Weiner, uh, is an American filmmaker, magazine editor, and journalist. He's a contributor to the Hollywood. There we go. See, this is exactly what we were talking about. <laughs> he was a contributor to the Hollywood Reporter and L.A. Weekly, and is a former senior editor for Entertainment Tonight Online. He was the executive editor of Famous Monsters of Filmland from 2015 to 2016, which resulted in him winning the Rondo Hatton Award for Best Interview of the Year in 2015. And that was for his interview with Mel Brooks, pretty amazing, for the 40th anniversary of Young Frankenstein. And uh, as well as uh, winning the award for Best Classic Magazine for Famous Monsters of Filmland. And that's two years in a row. David wrote and directed the 2019 documentary film In Search of Darkness, its sequel, In Search of Darkness, Part 2, and the 2022 documentary film, In Search of Tomorrow. And we have David on tonight to talk about his latest love, his latest major endeavor, and it's a big one at that, and that is Part 3 to In Search of Darkness. So, awesome. Uh, seriously, thanks again, David. And just uh, feel free to correct any one of these things that, <laughs> that we probably got wrong here. That's okay. No, that all is so far so good in, in the uh, correct department. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, I just want to say right up front, uh, and and I and I, I'm, I'm I think I'm speaking for Scott here as well too, and and certainly Mary because we've talked about this several times over the last week or so here. We're big fans of the this, the, the documentary series. Mm. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. 
I, I think you've done us all a great service by directing these. There is so much material there. And I, for one, really, really, truly enjoy that. Yeah. Thank well, you very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, for the uninitiated, uh, In Search of Darkness uh, and In Search of Darkness Part 2, which you both can, which you can find both on Shutter currently and like Correct. Amazon Prime and uh, AMC Plus. Um, uh, and now we're up to In Search of Darkness Part 3. Each of these movies are four and a half hours. In Search of Darkness 3 is the longest film of the series. It's now five hours and change. Oh, my goodness. Um, and, what, and the reason for the length of these movies is that it's a, it's a look at 80s horror cinema and a decade of 80s horror. And so you go chronologically from 1980 all the way through 1989, where within each year, there's a number of films that, film segments that we, we tackle and talk about and discuss. Uh, and then in between, there's larger context chapters. The heroes, the villains, the special effects, the, the, the pop culture, the, the, the political, socio-political culture, going on that's affecting the films and and conversely the films are affecting what's going on in the zeitgeist yep. uh and so it's an ongoing story you'd think you could sort of tackle it all in one film but there's just so much ground to cover because there's so many amazing films during that that time and so telling this story in each film uh the first one we had uh, almost 50 uh icons and legends from the era and experts as well talking about it. So people who are in front of the camera, behind the camera, you know, whether it's John Carpenter or uh, uh, Barbara Crampton or Heather Langenkamp, um, you know, Cassandra Peterson, uh, you know, Elvira herself. Yes. Uh, we just had uh, an embarrassment of riches with the talent, Joe Dante. I mean, I, I could literally laundry list it. And, and um, when we did part two, we wanted to go a deeper dive into more eclectic uh, titles. But we also wanted to talk about international films, Italian film, all that kind of stuff. Yep. We went to Japan to talk to Shinya Tsukamoto, you know, the director of, of Tetsuo, the Iron Man. We really yeah. talk about eclectic. That's a crazy film. Oh, man. Um, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> and uh, we added, you know, that was a pandemic film where we shot right in the middle of the pandemic. And so we added, we added, we did 23 more interviews there, which was ultimately 15 more faces because we did some uh, repeat visits from some talent. Uh, mm -hmm. And now In Search of Darkness Part 3 is, we've got 50 brand new faces. It's wow. the, the deep dark recesses of the video store, the, the, the bottom shelf, the underbelly <laughs> of 80s horror. <laughs> But also a lot of the theatrical stuff that we just haven't gotten to yet that is really well known. I mean, Prom Night, you know, or or mm -hmm. even Jaws, Jaws the Revenge, you know, oh, sure. yeah. the Rainbow, Monkey Shines. I mean, there's it, it, there's something for everyone. Yeah. Um, and and I'll, lastly, I'll say about In Search of Darkness Three is that collectively we have seventy interviews telling this tale. Um, like I said, fifty brand new faces, but twenty are carried over because I would sit down with all these people for one, two, sometimes even three hours. I sit down with Robert England, with Robert England for three hours. I, I uh -huh. mean, it's just a pinch me moment in my career. Yep. And uh, this is just an ultimate celebration of the era of, of, a, of a explosive time in filmmaking where technology merged, you know, the VHS explosion 
and practical effects to just create all these indie, creative, money grabbing, unapologetic movies. <laughs> I've got to believe (laughs) if you've got a finished product that runs about five hours, that there's probably three or four times that amount that you had to cut to get it all to fit. Is that, would would that be roughly correct? I I do not have an exact tally, but let's, uh, let's assume that every single, not let's assume fact, it's a fact. Uh, we have over 100 people, maybe 120 people collectively over this 14-hour, when you put all three movies together, a 14-hour uh, uh, exploration through uh, a decade. Um, each person has a interview that lasted an hour or two hours or three hours. Uh, and then you, you sort of do the math and you start putting, you know, Say you have the 50 people in the first movie and you have a four and a half hour movie. Um, you still just have slivers of the mm-hmm. best, coolest, most related bits that make sense to tell this tale. But I did say the best and I, I don't fully mean that, you know, it was best for that particular part one. But part two, where you're talking about a whole different set of films, a whole different set of topics there's all this great material that's perfect to continue this collective conversation about, you know, what, what, what a decade this was. And so, yeah, lots and lots and lots and lots of material that we still haven't even gotten to. And I got to figure out what to do with it. We're glad somebody (laughs) has been doing the the heavy lifting, (laughs) although it sounds, it sounds also like a labor of love in many ways. You talk about the, you know, the pinch me moment, sitting down to talk with these very iconic individuals who from everything I can tell seem to be pretty genuine, pretty generous people who mm-hmm. are happy to tell their stories and are, are sometimes uh, kind of flummoxed that, uh, that we have such fondness for work they did. That is a true decades statement. Ago. It's decades very ago. flummoxed sometimes. Yeah. And of course, well, with so many of those films, it's always pretty amazing that at the time and many of those involved say this, that the movie was, you know, not financially successful or largely ignored. And right. it's only in the decades since that it's come to the attention or the fan base has grown to such a big, such a uh, scale that, you know, people know about it. There's, there's a, a film called Blood Rage that we get to this time around. And uh, the star, Mark Soper, played twins. One's a crazy <laughs> killer, one's not, but gets framed. And... Um, I will say no more about the plot, but he did this film and people just, it it didn't get much distribution. It was very hard to find for many, many, many years. He's a very uh, serious actor, um, takes himself very seriously. And so he still is trying to wrap his brain around why any of us care (laughs) and and, and would want to sit down. Uh, What's really cool about uh, and unique about this particular uh, in Search of Darkness trilogy is that every single interview is uh, very exclusively arranged where they come to sit with us. We go to them, they come to us. It's not like uh, at a convention where we catch them Mm. and, 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 or at a junket where we only have a couple minutes. We say, we would love to talk to you about your projects, your career, your love or, or not about horror. And I say not because you talk to some folks like 
you know, Adrienne Barbeau or Heather Langenkamp, who are like, I'm happy to talk to you about my career, but I got to tell you, I don't really know these movies because I don't like horror, believe it or not. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that to me is equally interesting, though, because, you know, it's like you're Heather Langenkamp and you're and you're known, you're iconic for, right. the, Elm, for the Elm Street franchise. And, and she's incredibly knowledgeable. And in fact, she uh, she's back on the screen uh, these days. But, you know, she she's she works uh, in special effects. Yeah, I, I, I find it fascinating that that was the transition she went into. Oh, yeah. And, and we are, you know, Scott and Marion are huge special makeup effects, practical makeup effects people. We we, we, we love that. Mm. And so I was kind of tickled when I realized she had gone that direction. You know, it's like, that's oh, how okay. I, that's actually how I met her. Uh, oh. I, I, I met, I met her uh, in my entertainment tonight days. Yeah. Um, and I went to a Star Trek into darkness, uh, special preview that was for, this is when I met with entertainment tonight. There was probably about, you know, 20 other outlets there. Right. And it was it was like incredibly special because we got invited to go to uh, Bad Robot headquarters. J.J. Uh-huh. Abrams, you know, yep. uh, you know, his private lair. Oh, and, wow. uh, and, and, and they basically walked us from section to section, room to room, talking to Michael Giacchino, the, the composer and talking to, um, uh, you know, just a, the costumes and getting, a, you know, a talking about that. And then we were talking about the the makeup and practical effects, everything from Spock's ears and eyebrows to the Klingons and so on and so forth. Uh, and and Heather's husband, David, uh, and oh my gosh, it's I, apologies to Heather and David because the name is escaping me right this moment. Um, Trust me, you're talking to two men who are at a point in our lives where this is a common occurrence. So. Well, there you go. There you go. Um, uh, it'll come to me later. But yes. I, there I was, and and he was doing a dog and pony show with a PowerPoint. And in the corner at the computer doing the PowerPoint, there's Heather Langenkamp. And here I am standing with all these people who are like listening and, you know, ooing and eyeing at this cool practical effects. And I'm like, why is Nancy in the corner? (laughs) And does anyone else, does anyone else see her or am I hallucinating? Am I having a stroke? What's going on? I did smell burnt toast. So I went, so, so I went to up to her after the presentation and I just said, Heather, she's like, yeah. I said, hi, I'm David. I work at Entertainment Tonight. I'm just curious. What are you doing here? You know, do you work at Bad Robot? I mean, I had no idea what to say, really. And she's like, oh, I'm just helping out my husband, you know. And we got to talking. And I, uh, this is becoming a very long story about some other thing, you know. But hey, that, I, think, I think it's kind of a right. fun story because it's a story. It's a serendipitous tale. Sure. Because uh, I said, well, I, you know, work at Entertainment Tonight. I, I, I would love to, you know, there's an Elm Street. I, I can't remember which anniversary, but it was coming right up. And I said, yeah. I'd love to talk to you about the Elm Street franchise if you want to talk to Entertainment Tonight about. It. And she's just like, yeah, that sounds great. Give me a call. And I got in touch with her. And as I was talking to her, she's like, yeah, you know, I think it would be really great if we did it in front of the Elm Street house, which is in Hollywood. It's on this one particular street. It's just right there. I think that would be great to do. And I said, oh, that sounds really great. And she's like, yeah, you know, do you mind if I ask Robert if he wants to come? <laughs> and I'm like, you twist my arm. I guess you could bring Robert Englund along. Sure. Or, uh, 
And next thing I know, I'm the only guy talking to Robert Englund and Heather Langkamp in front of the Elm Street house. The first time they'd done an interview together in front of this house is the last time they were working in front wow. of it. Oh, wow. And not only that, but uh, 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 Robert, his, he and his wife came and they took a bunch of Christmas photos because they're like, oh, we like to take <laughs> photos in front of the Elm Street house. And he had his glove. So he had his Freddie glove as well. And I was just like, like, yeah, yet another pinch me moment. And so all I can say is that uh, it's, it's, a, it's important when you see an opportunity to go and talk to people. And when I was with Famous Monsters of Filmland, I did stuff with Heather then to the point where I felt very comfortable when I did In Search of Darkness uh, for the first one. Uh, I said, Heather, you know, would be you be so kind and be in this movie that nobody knows about as a documentary I'm putting together? And she said, I'd be happy to do it for you, David. And then nice. she said, I don't think you know me as well as you think you do, because I don't really like horror movies. <laughs> That's so, perfect. So I'd like to steer it just back to your career just briefly because I'm very interested. So how did you go from Entertainment Tonight to Famous Monsters, uh, just briefly? I think every story I will tell you is about serendipitous moments because I have I have a wonderful handful of them in my life. Um, and actually, Famous Monsters all ties into that. I got maybe I should thank J.J. Uh, Abrams. Oh, because after I got, you know, this was a three day event where we saw a preview, a 10 minute preview of the movie. Then we went to Bad Robot. Then the next day was a junket with the cast of mm -hmm. Star Trek in the Darkness. Mm -hmm. After that, I ran across town to go see a screening of The Hobbit. Uh, and I'm standing in line and guy two you know, right in front of me, he's got a famous monster sweatshirt. And I said, oh, that's a really cool sweatshirt. And he's like, oh, thanks. And I could have ended there, right? Uh -huh. But I said, that was like my favorite magazine when I was a kid. I love famous monsters. He's like, oh, really? Well, I'm the editor of famous monsters. What do you do? <laughs> and I said, oh, well, that's awesome. Well, I work for Entertainment Tonight. And I just got back from the Star Trek Into Darkness thing. And he's like, oh, well, I've been looking for someone to write a piece for me, bridging the old original series with the new JJ movies. How would you like to write it? And I'm like, write for the magazine that I loved as a kid, twist my arm. And that got the ball rolling. That was Ed Blair, who was the editor prior to me. Uh, he gave me that and many other opportunities to write, including the uh, Mel Brooks interview, mm -hmm. which I won a rondo for. And um, when I left Entertainment Tonight, or maybe Entertainment Tonight might have said goodbye to me after 13 years, as 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 big corporations are wont when salary goes up and they want to pay people yep. less. Yep. 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 I'll just leave it there. Yeah, uh, I was part of I was part of kind of a, a slow bloodletting of a lot of uh, uh, sure. experienced staff. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, sometimes these things turn out to be a great blessing or miracle or I'm not a religious person. Serendipitous. And they said, wow, you have more time. Why don't you come work for us and be the managing editor? And I said, twist my arm. I will do that. Yeah. Uh, and in the course of one at one issue of being the manager, uh, Ed Blair went his separate ways with the publisher uh, amicably because he kept on writing for us, but he had other things he wanted to do. And next thing I know, I found myself being 
editor in chief of Famous Monsters of Film Land. Wow, <laughs> how that happened? Right. I love story. stories like that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's oh man. And, and I even met Forrest Ackerman many years ago. He used to, in, you know, he's no longer around. Right. Um, but For Forey Ackerman, who started Famous Monsters of Film Land, was the editor since 1958 with Jim mm -hmm. Warren as the publisher. Uh, he used to, in Hollywood, open up his home to anyone who wanted to come and see his insane collection. Yeah. You got to go to the you got to go to the Acker Mansion. I went to the Acker Mansion and oh. I met I met Mr. Forey Ackerman himself. Little would I know that one day I humbly would be standing in his in yeah, his that's, shoes. Yeah, that's quite a story. That's I love story. that. <laughs> that's quite kind of crazy, right? Oh, yeah. in in a, in a good way. And no need to apologize for stories that take us on rabbit holes. We are notorious for spending most of an episode in the rabbit holes. And for most of <laughs> uh, for, for most of our, you know, 10 or 12 listeners or whatever, they 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 tend to like it that way. So it's good. Um, well, it's it's your personality and it's when it's conversational. Uh, you never know where you're going to go. Right? Well, exactly. Yeah, and we just love right. hearing people's stories. We really do. We were very fortunate not that long ago to have um, uh, Howard Berger come on from KNB and uh, his co-author, oh, okay. Marshall Julius, because they've been promoting their, their book, uh, you know, Masters of Makeup Effects. And um, it, it's similar in that, you know, there's a lot of being in the right place at the right time. And, um, and also just the willingness to open up and to talk to people and, 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 you know, in hearing how their careers have gone in various directions simply because of that. Lots of serendipity there. And, and uh, you know, of course, you have, to, you have to be prepared to step up when the time comes. So you've got to put in your you know, work in advance. But still, yeah, it's not. That, that's, that's, very, well, you're very, that's very true. By the way, it's David Anderson uh, that is the oh, uh, oh. effects guy. Uh, thank, you, thank you. Incredibly accomplished effects guy. But. Uh, sorry, you know, Sailor Jerry made me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, speaking yeah, of yeah. which, would you mind um, telling our our uh, our audience just what it is you are imbibing tonight? Yeah, well, sure. Well, um, normally when I jump on a podcast, I don't drink, although it is tempting. <laughs> uh, Some of them probably more than others. over here, I, I'm drinking Sailor Jerry neat because I really enjoy just sort of sipping on that. Um, but I did bring kind of a show and tell thing, which I thought was very cool. And uh, a good friend of mine uh, is part of a company called Filmland Spirits. And, okay. uh, and they have just created a bunch of, uh, you know, I've got, I've got some whiskey right here, but it's all thematic like movies. So it's basically not just a drink, but it's a whole story. So there's super cool retro art. Here's the bottle. This one, there's there's four new ones. This one's called Rise of the Robots, and it's got all this like Barbarella style retro. Yeah, uh, I love that artwork. On the back, there's like each character and what they, you know, the role <laughs> they play, and you know, it's like they've got movie credits. But even the top is is like a film canister. That's and cool. uh, anyway, um, my pals made this, and I'm real proud of them. And uh, I, you know filmlandspirits.com if you guys are interested in checking that out yeah um, yes it's, it's, yeah, it's real yeah, creative yeah. stuff but they've won a bunch of awards it's not just out of left field and it's yeah, really, yeah. really good stuff we in will fact, definitely state rye whiskey state rye whiskey complex and spicy 
with cinnamon and cloves on the nose, mint and pepper on the tongue, and a long chocolatey finish with hints of oak. You just, okay. sold it. you just sold it. <laughs> going, go, going back to the question you had asked, um, all these serendipitous moments really are nothing and useless if you're not patiently waiting for your time to come. Right. You know, right. Uh, I used to sing. I used to go like to a bar looking for, you know, I'm a happily married guy now. And I, I'd, I'd go to a party. I'd go to a bar. I'd go to whatever, a social event, you know, looking for love. And it wouldn't find me. And I would walk away rather than saying, oh, uh, another failed night. You know, I'd be like, your time is going to come. <laughs> and, I, I, and I'd sing that almost like a mantra, the yeah. you know, the Zeppelin tune, with a lot of things in my life. And what happens is when you're patiently, just you're just doing the things that you love. You're trying to enjoy the moment. Yep. But what happens is when these, these serendipitous moments converge, if you have assembled enough of the ingredients to qualify you for this opportunity, then it works. Yep. I have more serendipitous tales to tell you, but they're, you know, it's like I've gotten jobs. I've met people. I've, I've created friendships and relationships based on just taking the opportunity to chit chat with a stranger yeah. and things come out of it. And so that's if I have any advice to give to dole out in life is uh, don't be shy, you know, don't yeah. talk someone's ear off if their body language says no. But I mean, it's like, right. listen, if, you're, if you see something that, that amuses you or interests you or, or is curious, you're curious about, you know, just talk to other human beings and sure. be receptive or they're not. And listen, I don't talk to anyone hoping that I'm, something's going to come out of it other than conversation. Right. Yep. But, yeah. you know, it's just quite amazing what can happen. Well, and and then then that brings to mind how how did you how did you begin on your this uh, project? Well, the, at with, the very beginning, in search of in search of darkness, yes. started yes. with famous monsters connections. So oh. you know, uh, now I'm running the magazine. I did seven issues; they're bi-monthly. I, I worked with famous monsters for about a year, and then unfortunately, the for a time. The publisher decided because print was, you know, print was yep. less and less, you know, uh, lucrative, um, decided to pause the magazine. And so I, I said reluctantly, you know, yeah, let's let's uh, agree to part ways. That being right. said, while I was doing Famous Monsters, um, one Jessica Dwyer was uh, a, a writer for she does. She has her own site. She wrote for her. Uh, Horror Hound magazine and stuff like that. I met her and a couple other people on the set of The Conjuring 2. We did a set visit. Oh, and good. You're, when you're on a set visit, you get to meet the filmmaker. You get to meet the actors. You get to see the set. But you also have to wait because they're filming. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. a lot of time to kill and chit-chat. And uh, I thought she was really great. I, I loved what she wrote. And uh, I hired her to write for Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine. Um, and then in, we just kept in touch. And then at one point, I don't know how she got involved, but she got involved with Creator VC and their, this project out of the gate in search of darkness. They had just done another documentary or they were finishing it up. They had started it called in search of the last action heroes. Um, yep. she said, David, I'm doing this stuff with these folks in the UK. You got to check out their posters. Amazing. Their teaser trailers, insane. 
They're going to do a movie about 80s horror. I don't even know what you would do. I'm, I'm one of the producers on it. You should talk to the guy who runs this. His name is Robin Block. Uh, and, and just take it from there. And um, I looked at the trailer. I looked at the poster. I said, these guys really get it. It's very, very cool. And Robin, I'll, I'll make this not a long story as I'm capable of very long stories. Take, take um, your time. <laughs> but he, what he likes to do when he's starting a project is he loves to get a, a, a collective mindset to, it's like think tank, you know, to just uh, work out what is, is required to make a project like this. You know, what ideas can you bring to the table? Uh, and so I was part of like an ad advisor group for this. And uh, long story short, uh, I thought there were a lot of great ideas in it, but I had some ideas of my own. I had the experience from being at Entertainment Tonight for 13 years, running Famous Monsters of the Filmland, doing lots of on-camera interviews, doing lots of, you know, lots of writing. I just know this stuff, you know, I'm very comfortable with this stuff. And I, sure. so I threw my hat in the ring and I said, I know you already have people doing questions and stuff, but in Los Angeles, you know, I'm happy to do either sit down and, and do some interviews, or even if you need some help writing the questions, you know, I'm happy to be part of that. Um, and I helped with some of the talent outreach as well. Uh, and I said, you know, you might want to prioritize this and do things a little differently. And by, by a certain amount of time, Robin, I think, recognized that I was very, A, passionate about this stuff, and be arguably organized and uh <laughs> yeah that's good and and he's he invited me to write and direct this movie which i did not think was anything that was going to happen uh, <laughs> getting involved in this with this group uh, but you know I, i've said for years you got to make your own opportunities and no one's going to hand you a film on a silver platter and say, I want you to direct this. And yet I kind of feel like that's what happened. I just had to wait a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, next thing we knew we were, we were structuring this movie and he wanted to do, he had great ideas and wanted to make this movie, you know, let's do 1980 to 1989. We'll just do every single movie in the eighties. And I said, Robin, Ooh. absolutely. That sounds super cool. There's like hundreds of movies. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know? Let's let we got to cherry pick. We got to maybe just stick with maybe a certain continent or something yeah. like that. You yeah. know, there's got to be a way to organize it. And I also said it, it will, as cool as it is, it'll also be relentless if it's just 10 years straight where it's just movie by movie by movie. And I, I felt context is incredibly important mm -hmm. to talk about a decade. And that's why I wanted to insert these chapters to talk about yes. all this stuff. Uh, yep. Next thing I knew, I got to make a movie. And next thing I knew, the movie did really, really well. The next thing I knew, it was on Shutter. And next thing I knew, we wanted to make another. And next thing I knew, Robin invited me to do a, a, a sci-fi version of it. Yep. Next thing I knew, part two did really well. And next thing I knew, we, we said, we got to do another one. And next thing That's... I knew, I'm talking to you guys. About it. <laughs> That's really awesome. That's um that's a great chain of events. It really is. I uh, I, I sort of marvel at it. Uh, uh, wow. Well, it's it, it's yeah, it's a dream of mine. Uh, okay. And and I came out to I went to film school in in the East Coast, uh, in Ithaca, upstate New York, and okay. I, I graduated and I took production and theory. I graduated. I made a couple student films. I aimed my car west 
and I went straight to Los Angeles and started working on movies for the first four years and tried to figure it out, you know? Sure. But my first dream, you know, my big dream was, you know, be, you know, the next Spielberg, the next Lucas, the next Scorsese, whatever, you know, but no, you no. gotta, you no. can't just immediately do that. So right. I, I wanted to work in production first and I wanted to run around on a set with a, with a headset and a walkie talkie, yo, know, rolling and cut and be somewhat important and, and needed on the set. Yeah. And I did that for four years, you know, TV, music, videos, commercials, mostly features, a yep. lot of non-union stuff. Um, but I that's when I really started putting the plan together of if I don't do this myself, it's not going to happen. And I also recognized that I don't think I could stand on the set for the rest of my life. It's my time. My feet are going to hurt. And um, <laughs> I, I, I also recognized that... Uh, if things don't work out and I can't be some star director, what's plan B? My parents were always like, we love you, do what you want, we, we support you. You gotta have a plan B if, you're, if your big plan A dream is not gonna come around. And so I always took that to heart and I figured if I'm doing something in entertainment yep. that I think is rewarding, that will be satisfying for me. And that kind of was what, what Entertainment Tonight became. You know, um, and I ended up being there 13 years, which is pretty crazy because I didn't think I'd be there more than six months. Yeah. And, um, you know, long story short, uh, I I settled into the rationale that this it's always going to be writing and writing about uh, entertainment and all that kind of stuff. You know, doing interviews is something that I really, really love. I love picking the brains of creative talent, whether they're stars or creatives or, you know, craftspersons. Um, and the stars just aligned where all of a sudden now I'm getting to do this in a more reasonable milieu where I can have a family and live a life and still do production and make movies, but I'm not gone, you know, mm -hmm. on a set in yeah. New York yeah, yeah. for a long time. So, you know, this is really, really great right now and I'm I'm a happy camper. It sounds like a good spot, quite frankly. It really does. Wow. Well, there are so many things I, I'd like to know, but I'm 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 even myself debating where to start. And I don't want to just have you rehash. <laughs> you know, we could you know we could chat for a little more if you wanna you know you doing okay for time? Yeah, maybe maybe another fifteen Okay. okay. I need to put a cap on it, but I, I do. Sure. No, 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 no. Yeah. Trust me. That's well, and, and we do too. For, the, for that Los matter. Time. Yeah. Otherwise, Dave will spend way too much time editing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I'm wondering uh, the the process of just sitting down with some of these people that you have viewed as icons. Uh, once you get over pinching yourself, you know, <laughs> you're sitting there. Obviously, you're there to do a job. Mm -hmm. uh, any any surprises? Any any interesting, uh, nice surprises come up uh, in the midst of all this? I mean, obviously, Heather Lagenkamp explaining that she's really not a huge fan of horror movies. That that's that, that's a nice little little tidbit. But uh, Some, sometimes sometimes uh, there's there's just enjoyable moments okay. with the convergence of scheduling. Sure, you know. Uh, I, ha I happen to have Barbara Crampton and Jeffrey Combs back to back on the same day at the same location. Oh, wow. And Jeffrey showed up early and they I got to see them, re the reanimator duo 
and from beyond duo reunite and wow. and just hey it's so good to see you and that's nice see them be ha- be humans and happy with to see each other and then yeah. you know slide in for my photo op as well <laughs> that's really fun and i did that the same for i i flew to pittsburgh to talk to uh tom atkins and uh and doug bradley you know pinhead oh, wow. and, and, yeah, yeah, and um they again the similar situation you know uh Tom was a little early. Doug was running a little late because of me, not because of Doug. He was there on time, <laughs> but I ran him through the, you know, his paces longer. And uh, they got together, and I got to see those two, which is always just, you know, a fun. Well, that's pretty cool. Outstanding. But I, I just, I just really enjoy see talking to folks and having them absolutely surprise me with their knowledge and their passion yeah. for the genre that I might not. They, some some are not so knowledgeable, but they know that what they know, you know. Sure. Uh, some are have a, a much crazier sense of humor than I thought, you know. Other <laughs> others they just they just uh, surprise me with what uh, they bring to the table. Uh, and and what's really great about the format is because they are coming to us and they know that they've got time. It's it's just always an, a joy when I say, well, we'll sit together for a half hour or forty five minutes. And then we're there for two hours. You know, Clancy Brown. Oh, uh, yeah. We I love Clancy to, Brown. I sat down with Clancy and he it was it was the first time we were all sort of coming out of our, our COVID cocoons, mm-hmm. you know. And so and and Cassandra Peterson was like that, too. The second time I, I sat down with her, you know, it's like we were just human beings starved for social attention. Sure. We've been holed up in our, our houses or our bunkers. And so it was yeah. just a pleasure to just, you know, chit chat and shoot the shit. And, you Absolutely. know, and even even with Clancy, you know, we, we were like coming up on three hours and I'm like, I hate to kick you out, Clancy, but we got someone else. <laughs> and he's like, oh, you got things to do. That's cool. I, I, I probably have things to do, too. And, you know. Well, sure. I, I mean, that's that's, you know, I would think that, you know, we talked earlier about all the material that you weren't able to use in, in is that if you tried to follow all these people, you had the good fortune to interview their, their career path, which would make for interesting viewing aside from that. Yeah. The movie would be 20 times longer, but, but it must've been really interesting to have conversations with these people and hear, hear about their, their career paths and how they came to be, you know, where they are today or how they're viewed by, you know, the fan base or whatever it might be. That's got to be really interesting. It's, I, I, like I said earlier, I love to pick the brains of people, Um, you know, because everyone must think, oh, well, you're a horror icon. You must have carved, you know, loved horror and followed that path and found success and then made strategic choices to stay in horror. And they're like, no, I'm an actor and I wanted a job. Yeah, you know? yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I, I get to I get to insert a, a, a taste of that with uh, I started doing it in Search of Darkness Part Two, and I do more of it in Search of Darkness Part Three, where I have people talk about themselves. So in Search of Darkness Part Two, Nancy Allen talked about herself. Nancy Allen on Nancy Allen. Yep, Robert I love that. I thought Robert that was Newman. that was a great way to do that, David. Really, I I, I really appreciated that. Well, thank you. And it was it was like the perfect excuse because what my it kind of came out of a pro, it was born out of a problem where I was just like, all right, well, I'm talking to Nancy Allen and I already covered 
Dress to Kill in part one. So right. I can't do Dress to Kill again, but obviously it would have been better if I had Nancy Allen for that first time around. So what's my how's, what's my solution? Yep. You know, and I just thought, well, if she's talking about her career and and the various things that she did in her genre or her, her approach to acting and, and work, I, I could totally put that Dress to Kill in there and it would make complete sense. Yep. You know, same conundrum with, uh, say, you know, talking to Adrian Barbeau. Yes. You know, I already did The Fog and I already did Creep Show, but we don't have Adrian Barbeau. But she, you know, very generously said, I'm here for you now. What can I do? <laughs> mm -hmm. So there's a way of, of, of structuring that where you can include that and uh, and it makes sense. And I think it also gives you a real good insight into who these people are as Absolutely. people and as just human beings, you know, working and following their own passions. Well, there's also something to be said for having, for lack of a better word, you know, breathing space around the various segments and, and um, uh, you know, a shift in tone, if you will. Uh, I, I think it just makes you appreciate each element a little more than when you come back to something, you know. Th does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, the, you know, these movies, you know, if you take out the individual pieces, it gives you a taste of what this movie is capable of, but it really kind of does not give, do the movie justice. Right. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, yeah. gave you, I gave you guys, uh, and we could talk about what, you know, if you want, but I gave you guys a, a look at yes. Inspector Darkness 3. Yep. And, yes. I, and it was very important for me to not just give you a segment. I wanted to give you a chapter. I wanted to give you a yep. couple uh, movies to take a look at because if by themselves – you know, you kind of say, well, really, where's the cast of thousands? I only see one person talking. <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever your, you know, misconceptions or, you know, disappointment might be, you really need <laughs> right. to sort of have this as be a collective tale. Right, right. No, I, I love the way it's structured. I, I really do. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with Dave. And, and um, the other thing that, and you mentioned it briefly, the other thing that I really appreciate in the whole series is the, um, it's not just about production or films here from the United States, but you go overseas. Or Absolutely. I was really interested in it, especially because, well, right now my knowledge base is pretty limited, was the stuff from Mexico. Um, yes, exactly. Really I, interesting. I, I think I was, Scott, excuse me for, for interrupting, but but I, I loved getting getting that, that taste of that mm -hmm. in, in, in this part three, because Ruben, I, Ruben, this Ruben is something Galindo. about which I know almost nothing. You know, Ruben Galindo Jr., uh, a Mexican filmmaker who these days does like reality TV producing, right? You know, in Mexico City. Uh, but he made a bunch of when he was young, made a bunch of horror films in the 80s uh, that are really fun yeah. and really entertaining. And he is an incredibly infectious interview. He just is constantly laughing and 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 just reveling in his own story. Sure. Um, and it's really, really fun. And I'm so glad to be able to, you know, go to Mexico, talk about Mexican filmmaking, Spanish. Mm -hmm. uh, we go into Asian filmmaking. Uh, yeah. I mean, the we, whole series is just jam packed full of that stuff. Yeah, it's there's, great. There's, there's it really is going. great. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I would be surprised uh, if, if, uh, if anybody has covered the subject in, in anything even remotely similar fashion. And, and once you put all three together, like you said, that's crazy. That's uh, in a good way. That's 14 plus hours 
of interesting content. I mean, it, it, it's just, it's kind of mind-blowing. Yeah. It's like uh, watching the Lord of the Rings trilogy with all the extras tossed in, you know? I, I, I You know uh, what? After it's, not it's, it's directing... Amazing. After not... Sorry to talk over you. But no, please. After, go ahead. <laughs> after, after not directing for so many years, I really needed to play catch-up. So I figured with each movie I get, I'll do two. <laughs> arguably three in one film. Oh my just God. to compensate for all the lost years of writing about, you know, celebrity DUIs and, and deaths and, <laughs> oh, you know, and, and award shows and so on and so forth right. at Entertainment Tonight. I got, I, do, I got to do plenty of fun things at Entertainment Tonight, but sometimes it's easy to focus on, uh, you know, the Kardashians and the, you know, Michael Jacksons sure. of the world that I had, right, to, right. I had to dive into. <laughs> Well, it it really it really is I I think uh, pretty amazing, and um, would you would you be so kind as to tell uh, our audience how they can be involved with part three? Yeah, absolutely. So part three uh, is is complete, ninety nine percent. The only thing that we have to do is the end credits. Okay. Uh, and and what we like to do because we're a crowdfunded project is we yes. started with a crowdfunded. Uh, event, and then we we sell. If you go to eightieshorrordoc.com, eight zero s eightieshorrordoc.com, between now and Halloween at midnight, you can get your copy of In Search of Darkness Part Three. Uh, you could also get if you missed Part One and Part Two. This is all about getting physical copies. Yes, uh, you can get the trilogy as a box set, or you can mix and match however you want to do it. There's all sorts of cool swag and stuff. You know, we've got really awesome posters. Uh, we even have like a a, a a membership card, which is like an, a video membership card, but it's got it's it. got access to deals with merchandise from horror retailers. Yeah. Um, all sorts of stuff. It's all there. I mean, it's all listed. There's a you know digital download. There's a download of the soundtrack. But what's I think super cool is because these are crowdfunded projects. The content is very driven by our fan community and the, the backers where we, we surveyed them and we did polls to determine what they wanted this time around yes. in part three in terms of the films. Uh, and so there are two ways that we're happy to give back. That, and, and one is, first of all, getting your name in the credits, or if you choose to do, you know, put your podcast as the name in the credits or someone that you love, you could do yep. that. And this becomes sure. more than just a movie that you you bought. It's it's a keepsake, you know, and mm -hmm. it's something that you could be proud of, you know, crossing the line and get shepherding it over to the finish line. Sure. Um, but another thing that's really, really super cool that we're doing because this is the last uh, installment in this trilogy is I wanted to take this community and put them in the film. And so what I'm asking you guys individually, everyone who's listening, what you could do is you could record a video testimonial about why you love horror movies, 80s horror, a film or a filmmaker, or even the uh, In Search of Darkness franchise. Uh, and, and we're going to line those end credits run real long. <laughs> and I, can't, I can't promise every single one, but I'm going to put as many as I can, you know, throughout the entire end credits. Uh, and I think there won't be a dry eye in the house when people are talking about their love of the genre from their hearts. Sure. And the best way you could do that is uh, if you go to our socials, which is 80s Horror Doc on Instagram, uh, Twitter, and Facebook, uh, there's a link tree link. You click on that, and then you'll see how you can 
do this video uh, testimonial. Um, I think right. I think right now you have to do. You have, you have to go through Google and put your Google login sure. and stuff like that. So there is yeah. one group. Uh, hopefully that'll be gone by the time people are listening to that. But anyway, I just think it's a pretty cool thing, and and it's boy, it's the least I could do to give back to our community because that's really who drives the 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 existence of the sure. film. Sure. Yeah. Yep. No, we fully understand yep. that and appreciate it. Yeah. Well, this is great. I wish we could continue, but we've kept you here for an eternity. <laughs> well, it's been my pleasure. Right. I, as you guys know, we're, we're all, maybe perhaps we're all capable of long-winded tales. We love yes. it. We love it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, and I just want to want to say once again um, how much we enjoy we enjoy the series. Uh, we're happy to. Yeah, it's uh, really excellent. Yeah, it happy, really happy to much. promote this 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 final part of the trilogy. We'll let people know, you know, where 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 to track all this down, and um, I think we should raise a glass to uh, to all the monster kids out there, Clink. and all those folks who love eighties horror. Right. You know. And the ones cheers. we lost, we'll pour it out a little bit. Too. That's right, Thank absolutely. You. So, cheers, everyone. David, thank you so much. Be well. We'll be in touch. And uh, good luck to you. We look forward to what's going to come the next chapter of your life. Thank you so much. Yes, it's been, it's yes, been absolutely. a real joy. Thanks thank again. As always, our theme music was created by the amazing Kevin McLeod. And you can hear more of Kevin's music at incompetech.filmmusic.com. And you know, folks, if you would like to get a physical copy, that could be a Blu-ray or a DVD, of In Search of Darkness 3, or perhaps the trilogy, and would like to have your name in the credits, you should visit 80shorrordoc.com right now. The deadline is midnight on Halloween. Cheers. <laughs>